2: Holly. Hey, Dave.
0: How are you doing today on the What Difference Does It Make podcast?
2: I'm feeling pretty good today. I am way excited for our guest. Can I say (laughs) that? Way excited? Didn't we used to say that?
0: Way excited? Way Um, excited. Okay. That's with four A's. Is that how you spell that?
2: Way. And a couple of extra Y's too.
0: I love to hear that. We are looking at songs that were played on KROQ in 1986. The songs will be numbers 80 to 71, and we have brought in a special guest to our neighborhood to tell us what he thinks about these songs, and who might that be, Holly?
2: Well, he's not actually from our physical neighborhood, because he lives in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, to be more accurate. To be way correct? To be fully correct,
0: Thank you, Grammar Police.
2: Jake is a host of a show called Transmission, named after the New Order song. He's a club and radio DJ. He is practically the house DJ at this club, this famous club, First Avenue, which you'll hear about. And he is a fan of the music, like we are the, a fan of the music. And he hosts 80s-based events all over the country. He is a star in the 80s world.
0: He certainly is. Uh, yeah, you could definitely hear him spinning at First Avenue. You remember that from Prince and uh, during Purple Rain, that was his club. He has this transmission dance nights at First Avenue and you can hear him spinning all the time. And clearly you will soon discover he is a fan of 80s music, even though he's slightly younger than us. You can find him on Twitter. Jake, the 80s never ended in my world. Rude. And uh, he's always posting fun stuff on Twitter. That's how we discovered him and we wanted to bring him in. And so that is exactly what we have done.
2: So definitely follow him, but also follow us on social media at WDDIM Podcast and on our YouTube channel at What Difference Does It Make Podcast. So you'll see exactly what Dave is talking about. We'll post outtakes from our interview with him.
0: We're going to learn a little bit more about Jake and talk about the songs that K-Rock played back in 1986. We're looking at songs number 80 to 71 on the year-end chart that the world-famous K-Rock played back in the day. So we're just going to get right into it on the What Difference Does It Make podcast.
3: Good morning, Los Angeles. Ah, hello. Good morning,
2: Twin Cities.
3: You got it. I was just listening to uh, Wang Chung's To Live and Die in L.A., as a matter of fact, moments ago.
2: <laughs> just to prep for
3: this? Uh, no, it just came up. <laughs> Um, I was listening to um, a prefab sprout and then on Spotify, when it gets to the end of the record, it kind of goes into like-minded. Yeah. And, and that one came up and I thought that was spot on.
2: Oh, it's a fate.
3: <laughs> it's actually sophisticated pop. It's a, have you heard of that subgenre yet?
2: I have not.
3: Yeah. It's sophisticated pop. So it's more of the, um, if, if you wiki it, it's a real thing. It's, um, well, it is today. It wasn't back then, but I'd say it's probably mid 80s to late 80s, uh, inspired by Brian Ferry and Roxy Music, Everything But The Girl, Prefab, Sprouts, kind of like the later Wing Chung, some more just and Level 42, Simply Red. So that kind of sophisticated pop sound.
2: Okay, that,
0: that's a good, that's probably a good label. Can I yeah. say that you're looking very sophisticated for early morning on a Monday? I mean, my God, look at, all right, I'm, this is me. Yeah. And look well, it's early yeah, well, morning
2: well, for us, it's mid-morning yeah. for him. I know, but Correct. you're right. You I've been working
3: for a little bit yet today. Well, that's that's you, very kind of you. Yeah, it's, it's 11 o'clock here. It's I nine know. O'clock. I would be definitely more disheveled. <laughs> well, you look but you look like you're going to
0: the clubs already. I mean, come on. He's gorgeous. Yeah. Look at this guy my God. (laughs) I don't know about, I don't know about that. I am going
3: to go get fitted for my first pair of glasses today, which is, I'm trying my best not to like put on my readers. I'm at this point in my life where I've never, I've never had to have glasses in my life, but um, like it's, it's kind of blurry looking at you right now. And I'm like, God damn it. I knew this day would come, but it's, <laughs> I don't know if you if you can relate when you're wearing glasses, David. So yeah. I don't know if you if you're a lifer. Yeah, I'm a lifer.
0: It's been a, but I I wear contact on occasion. We are, yeah. <laughs>
3: okay. Oh, oh no, yes. you, you got glasses on too. All right. Yeah,
2: yeah. I've have, I have reader those are readers, but I also have distance now. I had LASIK because I was an all a year um, a lifer also. I had LASIK yeah. about 20 years ago, and now just started wearing distance again.
3: Got it. Yeah, this see this is new for me. So okay. I'm going to have to like start wearing glasses oh, I guess for the rest of my life. Unless yeah. I want to get LASIK or wear contacts, but I don't think I want to deal with the contacts thing.
0: So Glasses are fun. It's another fashion yep. choice and it's uh, you'll, oh. you'll enjoy it. Yeah. You know, look at Elton John. Uh, yeah. He's he's made it. Uh, he's made
2: it. <laughs> Look at Elton John. That's a little extreme. No, it's not. Eller's oh, still space age chair. Is that for you or for a cat?
0: I don't have a
3: cat. This is my buddy that sits next to me all day. This is Harry. Uh, Harry!
0: Uh, named after uh, Mr. Stiles?
3: Harry Connick Jr.
0: as oh. a matter of oh, fact. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Harry, Harry the
2: Dirty Dog. It had to
3: be yeah, you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> totally. We
3: got that point. Harry Bennett, uh, also named after Tony Bennett. He likes to croon, and we love our crooners around here. So. Love it.
2: Yeah. What a cutie. He's so quiet like- and... Well behaved.
3: That was my first radio station experience was KFJM AM 1370 Grand Forks. And that was a, uh, I was a big band, a swing and um, I guess crooner DJ in in early college. Uh, (laughs) I was just obsessed with Frank Sinatra and Harry Connick Jr. And it was a jazz station. It was my first gig. So it was a nice fit.
0: Wait, was this during the swing era? Like when the like the big bad voodoo daddies were big? Before it,
3: before, oh. before cherry poppin' daddies, before okay. squirrel nut zippers. Yeah, that was probably what, mid? 90s this would have been 93 so i don't know when those guys hit the scene oh, but so
0: when you when everyone's going grunge you you were Okay.
3: no i've never i mean i respect all those grunge bands and you know i've got a handful of favorites but i've always been an 80s guy right through that even even right through the grunge era i was like i was still listening to 80s music i was i was an outcast
0: is that mom and dad or older sibling I'm an only
3: child. Okay. Um, I think that uh, music brought me into another world when I was younger, and um, I just love to live in that world 24-7, except when I have to hit reality, uh, you know, from time to time. And a lot of my friends were uh, a handful of years older than me, so uh, like in high school and such. So I think that they had, you know, an impact. But also, one of my first jobs was Musicland, Northtown, And the store manager made me mixes, cassette mixes, with lots of great what is now classic alternative, and that really opened my mind to amazing music. I think he was a huge key into exactly opening my mind. That and the five original VJs, because I was addicted to watching MTV. Even as a young dude, I should have been outside playing, you know, riding bikes and all that, but I'd be inside with a notepad and pen, tracking every video that was played for yeah. some reason. Yeah. I don't know why.
0: I get that. Uh, there was a lot of people who did that. A lot of people on radio <laughs>
3: Yeah, we're yeah. were
0: like documenting, you know, Casey Kasem or what was played yeah. on MTV. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah, this is pre-internet. What else were we going to do to keep track of right. this stuff? I love your, your pinned tweet is apparently a two-year-old girl who has a <laughs> uh, big fan of uh, an artist. I can't remember. What was she saying?
3: <laughs> yeah, of course. She had no idea who Bowie was at the time, but, uh, it's a fun word to say a fun name to say. And, um, I, I don't know. I captured magic. It was, just happened right there, uh, behind me. And uh, I just had the in at the right time. And, um, I'm just like, God, that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> The magic moments of your kids, you right,
0: know? Right, right. You
2: open for a lot of artists. Yes. You place that in clubs and bigger venues?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, my my home club is First Avenue. That's where, you know, Purple Wearing was filmed. As a matter of fact, uh, right after this, I have to start prepping. I'll be interviewing Tim Burgess of uh, the Charlatans oh. doing it. In store at the electric fetus record store here uh, no. he's in town next week and i'm op- opening for ride in the charlatans on this latest tour so that's cream of the crop for me when i get to team up with people that i really admire music wise i can thank the beatles and duran duran
0: for that yeah. for sure those were my yeah. two talk about the prep that you're, you're talking about so if you you're opening mm-hmm. for charlatans and ride what goes into prepping for you get like a 30 minute set or yeah so
3: usually what happens and and hopefully i'll be doing the same for jerry harrison and adrian blue when they're going to be doing the remain in lights mm-hmm. album might be doing it for rick springfield just because i like me some power pop
2: yeah. how fun
3: yeah you know so whenever artists within the transmission world come to town i'll like throw my name into the hat to try to team up with them. And that's how I get to, uh, meet my heroes really, you know, cause after the show I'll go into the green room and introduce myself. And sometimes they will be like, wow, you're the, you're the guy that was playing the music. Like, that's awesome. The, one of the, that, that really happened where it meant a ton to me when Colin Blundstone and Rod Argent of the zombies, oh. <laughs> uh, I, I did it for them. And they were like, Every song you played, man, we were in the back just listening, and we were just like, this is just awesome. Like, to me, that's, like, the highest praise mm-hmm. I can get as a DJ, knowing, like, the artists that I'm inspired by are, are really grooving on what I'm doing. What I like to play, I don't, I don't want to tell, like, the secret sauce, but, you know. <laughs> that's okay. Uh,
0: but, yeah, like, clearly... People are going to the zombies are slightly older than those going to charlatans. Do you take that into effect? You know, I've worked
3: for five radio stations, three record labels. I've been a DJ for 30 years. So music has been my life forever. So I, I know music, I know music outside of just rock too, like R and B and hip hop and working at a record store. You have to know these things. So, you know, it's, it's uh I don't know. I mean my wife thinks it's like overboard, right? It's like you're obsessed of this stuff. But you know, I'd rather be obsessed with music than than other things that are are not healthy. Many times I will play influences of artists. That's kind of like where I start. Okay, what bands and artists were these artists influenced by? Who were they influenced by? Um, Because, you know, it's not only to build the vibe and atmosphere within a club setting before the main curtain opens up and the bands and artists take the stage. It's also wanting to impress the artists themselves, you know, because they can hear what I'm playing. It's not like it's a stadium. Although my first gig back last year, this was wild, you know, because I also do, I do a lot of yacht rock events in town and I also do Camaro rock. And so... My first gig back post, you know, when, when the world was opening up and people were going out again, my first gig back was a big one. It was an arena at uh, the XL Energy Center, downtown St. Paul, bringing Toto and Journey to the stage, which was like, never would have seen that one coming, but they asked if I'd be interested. I'm like, hell yeah. It was wild. And, you know, you throw on cheap tricks, surrender, and that gets an arena going right there. That was
0: right. Just... So so was it an arena? Because you're thinking, I'm, I'm sure it's an arena. I got to get, it's got to be big. The music's oh, got to yeah. be like. There was like, tens
3: like, of thousands. And I was, I felt more awkward than I ever have in my life because I, I'm not flipping platters. I mean, I learned how to DJ on vinyl back in the 90s, but I'm, I had a laptop and I asked them, Please, you know, don't put me on stage. You know, if anything, just keep me off the side of the stage because I'm just standing there behind a laptop. There's no show. Uh And they're like, no, they want you in the middle of the stage with the spotlight on you. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so not that kind of DJ. I'm not. Let's do it. You You know, that's not that's not me. I let the music do the work. I got on the microphone and I'm just, you know, I'm just like, hey, who's ready for journey? You know, I did one of those things. uh,
0: Journey's about
3: to take the stage. (sighs) Yeah, Right. One of those. So cheap tricks, surrender. You had to do the the bombastic, more or less classic rock. I think I did uh, just what I needed by the cars, things that people love singing along to, you know.
2: Yeah. When you think about it as avid concert goers, it makes all the difference in the world, the music you're hearing before. Yes.
3: Thank you for saying that. I think more and more clubs and promoters and artists are realizing that, you know, for the longest time, it's like, the sound guy would just throw on like an iPod and it would just be like, there'd be Mm -hmm. no energy and it would be boring. And people are just standing around waiting for the artist to take the stage. But when I do a gig, you know, I'm playing music or music videos and people are just like, Oh my God, you can see lots of head bobbing. And then all of a sudden I'll put on a song and then there'll be like cheers for recorded music, you know? So it's really getting them amped up. And by the time the screen raises up, they're like, let's do this, you know? There's nothing better. That's actually my favorite thing to do. For all the different facets of my job, being able to bring you know, my favorite artists and bands to the stage is, is what I love doing.
0: Tell me about First Avenue because, I, you know, yes. it's like I heard the Replacements and Who's Could like all the bands I used to love and then, of course, mm-hmm. Prince. And it kind of created this mythology uh, on this club. And, I you know, I've never been there before. What is oh, what's so magical should, about First Avenue?
3: You should go. It's so magical. I am so honored to be a part of, I guess, the family. I grew up there on Sunday nights. It was the all age you know, Sunday night dance dance mm-hmm. party for teens and being able to like go dance at a club, downtown Minneapolis uh, with friends, you know, you're just old enough to get your driver's license. And, and I would be out on the dance floor and they'd be playing, you know, amazing music. And I would look up into the DJ booth. And I was just like, in ah, and little did I know that like, that would be me, but I would, I like would dream of it. And, and since then, I've been honored to sell out the venue eight times myself now with different Prince tributes, Uh, New Year's Eve parties and anniversary parties for Transmission. As a matter of fact, I'll be doing the 22nd anniversary of the Transmission Dance Party coming up on April 15th. I'm going to try to find a guest DJ I've had. uh, I've had Clem Burke, DJ I've had, Andy Rorick of the Smiths be a guest DJ, Daniel Ash. I try to bring in people who are like within the world of Transmission to guest djs at some of my anniversary shows it's quite a history it's uh the main oh, room right. and then attached to it is the seventh street entry right, right. And it's an old greyhound bus station that was in from like the 30s or maybe 40s 30s the seventh street entry i believe was the bathroom of the bus station um, and. <laughs> The main room is where like a lot of the buses would be parked. It's got a great, great history. And the 7th Street Entry is like, that's the place that gave birth to the re- the mats, the replacements and Husker Du and mm-hmm. a lot of great Twin Cities. You know, there's the Minneapolis sound, right, of Prince and the time and artists like that. And then then there's that Midia- Minneapolis rock and they just kind of coexisted. It was like it was the Seattle before there was a Seattle yeah. for a while. You know? Oh, yeah.
0: So we've learned about Jake. Now we got to learn how to pay the bills. So we're going to take a break and we will return shortly.
2: And we're back on the What Difference Does It Make podcast with our guest, Jake Rude. You ready?
0: Are you ready yeah. to take on that? Okay. Yeah, you have to prove if you're worthy of discussing this music. And, and congratulations, you passed. <laughs> Clearly. Yes, thankfully. Yeah. Okay. First of all, what was your alternative station? What did you listen to as, you know, besides five-year-old watching the Fab Five on MTV? What was your radio station of choice?
3: There were two of them, KJ-104, and then that went off the air. And then it was Rev 105 Revolution Radio. Uh, Rev 105 was put together by Kevin Cole, who is now at KEXP in Seattle. He's the, I believe,
0: program director. He's
3: definitely one of my heroes. He also was a club DJ at First Avenue. He's originally from the Twin Cities. So definitely a mentor of mine. Not a hands-on mentor, but just someone that I've watched the career of and get inspired by. Mm -hmm. KJ 104. It hit me perfectly because it was sophomore year of high school and it coexisted perfectly with MTV's 120 Minutes. They were playing a lot of the same stuff. Very influenced by British bands as well. So a lot of dream pop and shoegaze. So Cocteau Twins, My Bloody Valentine, Catherine Wheel, Lush, bands like that that just blew my mind and are still favorites today.
0: So you're always that guy. You were never top radio, top 40.
3: Yes, there was uh, 99 and a half W-L-O-L, you know, and that's what was great about radio in the 80s is that you could hear every genre right next to each other because they all coexisted in the top 40. It was Mm. awesome. You would hear ABC, Culture Club, Duran Duran next to Rat, Quiet Riot, Van Halen next to Climax, The Jets, Sheena East, and and they would all live happily together. It was awesome.
0: And that's one of the reasons we love K-Rock. They were bouncing all over the place genre-wise. They weren't afraid to play some hits, as we'll soon find out. So we're going to go on uh, the songs that were played in 1986. Uh, this is the year-end list. And we are going to do our our 10-song chunk is number 80 to 71. And we start off with number 80, Tears for Fears, Mother Talk. which Mother's is, Talk. Mother's Talk. Thank you. <laughs> Ollie is always going to correct me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, songs from the big chair. Did you have this album? Were you a big fan?
3: I did. I I absolutely love tears for fears. Huge, probably a top 10 favorite band of mine of all time. I saw them last year in Atlanta and absolutely blew my mind how great they still are. As a matter of fact, their last album, the tipping point was my album of the year for 2022. It's so good all the way through. Yeah. And, um, yeah, obviously songs from the big chair is what put them on the map for me. They were all over MTV back in the day. Unfortunately, Mother's Talk is probably one of my least favorite songs on the album. Um, I, it's just a little bit too much all over the place. And it just doesn't, I don't, I think you mentioned that it was, maybe you mentioned that Roland said it was their way of trying to be, take on a talking heads jam. Yeah. I don't yeah. hear that. <laughs> I, I, I don't hear that. I kind of get where he's coming from, but I, I don't hear I just, I don't mind that song, but I don't love it.
0: Did they play that song at the show last year? Because, you know, seeing as it's not a favorite of theirs, but it still was a single that, you know, off one of their their, their most popular, one of their most popular I don't think they
3: did. I'd have to, like, go out to setlist.com and check, but uh, I don't think
0: they did. Holly, where were you on The Mother's Talk? I love this album. A
2: huge fan. And you're not alone in, in feeling that this, that the tipping point, it was a lot of people's favorite album last year. I love this album, but it was actually my husband who turned me on to, to mother's talk, who made me appreciate mother's talk more than I did. It wasn't my favorite, one of my favorite songs on the album, but I really, really like it now.
0: Is that his favorite?
2: Uh, I would say so that that appears on most of his playlists. <laughs> oh, that's impressive.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a good musician. I
3: mean, that bass is like rocking. And I mean, I don't know sometimes, you know, you just don't click with a song. And this is one that I've always skipped over. Maybe I should let it play through more often.
0: It does have that big production, though. you know, the big drums. And, yeah. yeah know, it's
3: bombastic for yeah, sure. Oh,
0: sure. Yeah. Well, that mm-hmm. was 1986. Everything had to be bombastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, where do you fall on the song? I do like the song. I like the bombacity of it all. <laughs> um, not necessarily my my favorite, but, this, you know, Songs from the Big Chair is just such a great album. You know, I hear the song and I get good memories. Just play the whole thing through and it, it, the whole album is great.
2: That's it. That's a combination of, of where you are at the time and the songs themselves. That's a perfect combination.
3: Yeah. yeah. I don't remember it from back in 86, so I remember it from... I guess, just listening to it in the 90s off a CD and and all that jazz. So had I heard it on the radio um, and bringing me back to, you know, times that I remember and cherish, maybe I would feel different about it. But I don't have that kind of attachment to it. I'm going to be brutally honest what I think about songs, if you don't mind. No,
2: (laughs) no, we want you to. Uh, Right. I mean,
3: I absolutely love Tears for Fears, so it kind of makes me feel kind of slightly bad that I I don't love this song. Like I'm supposed to love everything that they do, (laughs) but um, being honest. Yeah.
2: Listen to it again and report back. Yeah. All
0: right. (laughs) But yeah, as um, we discussed three songs in 1985 from this album and actually mother's talk, I think was one of the first singles Uh, and that was from 84. So this song had been around for a while. Anyway, tears for fears could do no wrong and K rock banged the hell out of those. Yeah. Everything from tears for fears during this time. Yeah. It's great. Number 79, Fergal Sharkey from The Undertones. This is his single, A Good Heart.
4: I hear a lot of stories. I suppose they could be true. All about love and what it can do to you. Highest risk of striking out. The risk of getting hurt. And still, I have so much to know.
0: Sharky, Undertones, uh, Teenage Kicks. What do you think?
3: I love the song Teenage Kicks. I really groove on the Undertones. This one, I wasn't feeling. You kind of threw me way (laughs) up in the high numbers here, and uh, (laughs) I'm not going to be, like, not grooving on all of these songs, but um, I just prefer him as the lead of a punk band named the Undertones versus more of the soulful styling. That's just me personally. I love him as a punk, and his punk um, is pop punk type vocals, but, um, and this, this one didn't speak to me.
0: Yeah. Did you see the video? I love it. So 90, 86 the with hair. the long hair flowing, yeah. what Bono would look like in, in 87. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> I could just see the the influences going across the board of like, who's, you know, they're, they're kind of all, you know, Jim Kerr's Simple Minds was rocking the long hair and all of that.
0: Just, it was the yeah. time. Yeah, it certainly was. Yeah.
2: Just a side note to what you said about the the lower numbered songs. There was no real science to this, that they picked songs that just some of them are just off the wall.
0: Right. But they were, they were played. These songs were played in 86, Mm -hmm. but with, you know, classic alternative, they're not necessarily, they're not going to play a Fergal Sharky. So that's why we have kind of, uh, we're picking up the baton and and carrying it with us. Yeah. and Just kind of remembering these songs.
3: Sure. I love that you guys are doing this.
0: So this song was written by Maria McKee. Produced okay. by Dave Stewart. It kind of has like the an LA flair to it. It definitely has an LA flair to it. I'm sure he recorded yeah. this in Los Angeles.
2: She's from here. She's from our, you know, sort of our neighborhood. Is um, she
0: really?
3: I, I, so she's not Irish, Maria McKee. Oh, no. Nope.
0: Do yourself a favor. Go look up the debut album from Lone <sighs> Justice. If you like the, like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, if you're a fan yeah. of that. Give a listen to that because it's like all the heartbreakers playing. It was produced by Jimmy Iovine, didn't he produce that? Oh, he might have. He might have. Anyway, it's, there's our pick. So g- give that one a listen. Up. Yeah. All right, I'll yeah. check it out. Or just ways okay. ways to be wicked or something like that. You, you can you'll hear the uh, the heartbreakers. It's. Uh, Good stuff. You got your, great. your dad
3: rock side showing through again here, Dave. I know. The, uh,
0: I can't help it. I mean, look at me. Look at me. I am yeah. <laughs> Please. I can't hide it.
2: So Maria McKee wrote A Good Heart, and that was about her breakup with Ben Montage, or about Ben Montage. And then Ben Montage wrote the response song, and Fergal Sharkey, it was the second song on the album. It's called You Little Thief.
3: Oh, wow. And Fergal sang that as well? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yes. Oops, caught right in between. Eh?
2: Yeah. I now I have to go back and listen to that wow. again. I liked the undertones and I liked him, but this was a total pivot and I love this song so much. I can't say enough about it. Nice.
3: Yeah. yeah. I honestly don't remember it.
2: Worth listening to.
3: Both were raised in Los Angeles on K rock. That's a yeah. very big difference than being in the Midwest.
0: Right. That's why it's fun to get someone with fresh ears to, to hear these mm-hmm. songs and just kind of like, yeah. Oh, okay. This is kind of cool. Or I don't, you know, or just shake your head and say I don't get it that's
3: yeah yeah. I'll have to dig more into Lone Justice and revisit A Good Heart I'll, I'll, I'll do that
0: <laughs> let's go to number 78 this is another <laughs> solo song this is from the Wall of Voodoo frontman Stan Ridgeway. Drive She Said
1: sitting right behind me I could smell a review there was something I smelled before went through a red light Feel my brain, I can feel something sticky on the floor. I said, miss, you gotta tell me.
0: This is an L.A. band. I yeah. think it's kind of like an Oingo Boingo thing. I, I'm sure it wasn't played anywhere else, but are you familiar with Walla Voodoo and their, yeah. their output? Obviously,
3: Mexican radio. That was all over MTV back in the day, and it's a song that I still play out at the clubs. I really dig Stan, and I dig his vibe. I dig his artistry. Just you know, just don't box him in, right? He's an artist. <laughs> so I really admire him. I'm, I feel like more people should know of him than they actually do. It's kind of like a... And Oingo Boingo thing, you mentioned them. It's like not a lot of people know Oingo Boingo outside of Dead Man's Party, outside of the West Coast. And Oingo Boingo are one of my favorite bands. You know, I absolutely love them.
0: What did you think (laughs) of this song, Drive She Said?
3: I I liked it. I unfortunately don't know Stan Ridgway's solo career as as well as I probably should. But revisiting this song, I I was familiar with it. But uh, one that I don't put on often but it does make me want to go back and and re-listen to it and actually check out more of his earlier solo material.
0: He's, as you mentioned, he's just like Walla Voodoo, just the more you dig, the more you get into some interesting music. Clearly a a unique sound, and K-Rock really loved it. Okay, so everyone's (laughs) favorite Australian band, the the Venetians. This is why we do this. The band is called the Venetians. Song is so much for love, which reached number three on the national charts in Australia. What
4: do you want? I'll tell you all you need to know. Let's make it.
0: As someone who had never heard the song, I'm assuming, what did you think of this?
3: Correct. Yeah. Never, never heard of the band, never heard of the song. And um, I mean, I do love me some artists from down under, but uh, I can't say I'm a big fan of this song. I couldn't get over the mane of his hair watching the music video. It's just so overpowering. But I actually really dug the synth line at the end of the song. Whoever the keyboard player is that really nailed the, that little synth line. That's my takeaway. I dug <laughs> the synth, but um, yeah, yeah song the whole. I wasn't feeling it.
0: We found a lot in in the 80s that hair and fashion could be distracting in videos. Totally. And questionable. And very yeah. questionable. <laughs> very much so. Uh, Steve,
2: did you remember this song?
0: No. No, I don't yeah. remember this. But did uh, it stick in your head? There's been some songs I've listened to, and then I'll wake up and then like I'll hear the the song will still be in my head is this is this some sort of earworm for you
2: I hate to say it there wasn't anything about it that that stood out for me yeah so Which... they
0: they covered it up with fashion they tried to cover up with hair and fashion and and didn't work uh, although it did work in australia um the drummer ended mm-hmm. up playing with uh, the Divinals. so that's you know these uh, and then he's also been a member of the church, but there's our Australian connection leading into number 76, another Australian band, the divinals pleasure and pain. What do you think, Jake? Where where are uh, you I, with the I
3: love, love, love divinals. And I think that Chrissy was an underrated talent. Yeah. I, I play their songs a lot at the club and, and on the air. And I actually miss them. And they are so much more than kind of like a one hit wonder that they're mainly known for with, I touch myself, which is a great song. Uh, but they are so much more than that. And this is actually one of their best. Pleasure and Pain is such a great song.
2: night
3: right i think did holly knight write this one okay i didn't know that that's cool yeah.
0: she's a big one in 1986 in the 86 she had her own out. Oh, what was it they uh, the tina turner
3: better be good to me did she do that yeah well?
0: she's also on the our,
2: battlefield she did yes she wrote many of our yeah
0: she's on our songs. Links. so as i watch the video i can't i mean she has this carly simon mick jagger look about her that's just she
3: I, does. I, she's it's just, so cool yeah, yeah. She, Yep, she oozes cool. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You didn't really realize. I mean, I was always a fan, but after she passed and you had artists coming out of the woodwork talking about her, how respected she was and just
0: missed. Clearly in Australia, the band was inducted into the Australian Recording Industry Association Hall of Fame in 2006. Love that. Yeah. So, yeah, they're still Mm -hmm. recognized and still loved in Australia and... On this podcast And <laughs> Number 75 Your daughter's favorite artist David Bowie yeah. Absolute Beginners
4: I've nothing much to offer There's nothing much to take I'm an absolute beginner As long as we're together The rest can go to hell
2: Jake, take it from here.
3: (laughs) Obviously, every artist has done some clunkers. This one isn't a clunker. Bowie didn't do too many of those in my eyes. Um, Mm -hmm. Even some of the uh, songs or albums that people dislike, I I dig. This one, I I hate to say I've never seen the movie, which is kind of sad to say. uh, But I do love this song. I feel like it could have been cut in half (laughs) to really uh, encompass some great power and uh, yeah. i think it probably could have done even better as a single uh, when a song is too long it just kind of starts dragging on but obviously bowie wanted it to be seven seven and a half minutes for a reason so i gotta respect yeah. that
0: let's go to number 74 falco my favorite rock me amadeus i'm sure you play this a lot in the clubs
3: i played it last week as a matter of fact <laughs> it, gets, it gets requested a lot Eh, Talk about bombastic, I mean, those (laughs) drums.
4: He
0: was da Superstar. da 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 da
4: da 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 hatte da da da
1: da 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 all da 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 da
3: another artist that pains me that he's no longer with us taken far too soon car accident. Wasn't it? Yeah. It would have been really fun to be able to see Falco live for sure. I mean, this one was all over MTV. This one was all over the radio airwaves um, here in the twin cities too. So know it, love it. I dig it.
0: You watch the video and you just watch him strut around. I, I find it hilarious. Like talk about bombastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: He's got an aura about him and, um, you know, I don't. Was he like the Elvis of Austria? I mean, because people love people love him. You know, it was. Yeah.
0: Cool. He just he does look like a guy who just did a lot of cocaine in the eighties. Very, I
3: mean, yeah. the, the slick back. Right. Look, I know. Yeah.
0: I love yeah. everything about it. It's just I love the look. I it's, loved, yeah, is a look, and it was a great song. Uh, yeah, the, it went all the way to number one. This was a pop hit. Right, the only hit. German
2: only German language song. Hit number one in the US ever.
3: Yeah. Is that right? So, yeah. And 99 Loof Balloons didn't. Did not. So, okay.
0: Okay. So, Devo fan, we're going yes. to number 73. This is Martini Ranch asking the musical question How can a laboring man find time for self culture? <laughs> Jake, please answer the question.
3: Uh, it's true. Um, you know, as we mentioned earlier, huge fan of boingo boingo huge fan of devo so if you're a fan of both of those bands you, you kind of have to love this song
1: i have no other model but myself to play i'm a man from birth. you won't turn me away
3: This is probably my favorite in in the 10 songs that you, you selected for me. I was familiar with this band just because it's one of those bands that's got like, it's got Bill in there, you know? Yeah. I didn't know this has existed. So that kind of <laughs> hit me like 10, 10 years ago. So it's been on my radar for, you know, a decade. Do I put it on and listen to them often? No, but I really love it every time I'm revisiting it and uh, reminded of the song and especially the video. I love, I mean, yeah. Like you said, it, it's kind of got that Dieter vibe from SNL. No, totally.
0: yeah. yeah.
3: I love their head moves in it. Sprockets. Yeah. Uh,
0: did, did Bill Paxton direct this video? He had his hand on this band. He, he did a lot of uh, different things. He, I didn't realize all his musical talent that he had and, and put his talents to directing videos yeah. and creating different looks. Pretty cool. Yeah. Did you know Fish Heads? this is something. This is also something he directed. Barney yes. Barnes. I listen, I Nets. listened
3: to uh Doctor Demento growing up. So yeah. Fishettes, eat them up, yum. Yes, no doubt. Okay.
0: Yeah. Also oh, with the the video. There's also. Did you Did you catch Anthony Michael Hall and Judge Reinhold in the? I
3: did. You know? I did. I thought those were great cameos. I mean, I really love everything about this song and this video. It's great. I'm. It's it's too bad. No, you know, not as many people know about
0: it. All right. Yeah. Well, when you start spinning in the club, suddenly it's going yeah. to become bigger. You got it. All right. Good. Very good. Okay. Number 72. This is Gene Loves Jezebel, Heartache. First of two songs that are on the chart from 1986.
4: Mm-hmm. You're my girl.
0: is the original Gene Loves Jezebel. There there's the Gene Je- <laughs> Loves Jezebel. the I didn't realize it was uh these were twins, yeah. uh, identical twins. Uh and of course because they're they're siblings they do not get along at, at all. So uh yeah, they've there's got that, that
3: kinks, Oasis, Black crows thing going on <laughs> there. It's, it's unfortunate because uh I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the band. I've actually worked with Jay and he's <laughs> come and played the Twin Cities, but um I love the music. I love the legacy of the band. I like their history, but uh, at times like the vocals can really grate on me. I like the music, but uh, I can't sit and listen to an entire record of theirs. The vocals will sometimes I need to you know, bring myself back. Is that, a
0: is that one of those things where sometimes where the vocalist will ruin the songs for you? Like if, if you don't like the vocals, it doesn't grow on you. Like I'm, I'm sure the first time you heard the band rush, you're like, right. that's his voice okay yeah. I mean that was yeah. that was it for me like get up but then I got used to it. like oh yeah that's that's what this is part of uh you know a unique part of the band that's
4: true and
2: you hit the nail on the head with me and I loved this band and I loved them back in the day and I still like the songs that I like but it is grating that is the perfect word you could I couldn't listen to a whole album either I could watch them <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, they're pretty for sure, and, and they and they're they're rock stars. They've got mm-hmm. the, the rock star vibe. They got everything going for them, and maybe similar to Getty Lee, you know that is what makes them unique are, are those vocals. But um, it's not for everyone. Just like um, Sparks, I absolutely love Sparks, mm-hmm. and their vocals have grown on me because I I do love the band. So yeah, you know, I, I guess it really depends.
0: Depends. Yeah, I think so too. I never realized that this Gene can- loves Jezebel. Jezebel is the name of this Gene Vincent song. And so that's where the band name comes from. Gene Vincent and his song Jezebel. Jezebel. Give a listen to Jezebel. That's kind of a fun song. If ever the devil was born Without a pair of horns It was ye, Jezebel It was ye
4: If ever an angel fell
2: I was reading a review or somebody's feedback on them and I thought it was kind of appropriate. It was a, a unique band with an image somewhere between Sleaze, Glam, and New Wave. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. They made it work for them, though. I also love their band name now from because they splintered off. It's Gene Astin's Gene Loves Jezebel and Michael Astin's Gene Loves Jezebel. <laughs> Right. Two completely different bands, but two great tastes that taste great together. I don't know, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
3: you know, the the things that bands have to do illegally these days to, to exist, but yeah. It's the one we live in.
0: Yeah, like Annabelle the- Lewin of Bow Wow Wow. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. All right. We're gonna wrap this up with number seventy one, the biggest song <laughs> of this ten song chunk. This is the band Genesis. The song is <laughs> Invisible Touch. Mentioned Rush briefly. Prague rock fan at all? Uh,
3: I do like some Prague rock. Uh, I like Kraut rock even more. <laughs> but um, this era of Genesis, I can give or take. There are some ones that stick with me. This one was played too much. It was the I heard it too much syndrome. The era of Genesis that I absolutely love is Abacab, like probably like the 1981 era no reply at all uh, is one of my favorite songs of theirs and even some of phil solo stuff is great but uh this one was i mean it was everywhere even still today i'm just like nah i'm, I'm still <laughs> not over hearing this song all the time
2: i have come to appreciate him much more with his sense of humor and i mean yeah. obviously appreciate him as a talent but way overplayed and it's funny this at this genesis era is almost interchangeable with the Phil Collins, some of the Phil Collins stuff. And it's not, that's not what I want when I listen to Genesis.
3: Yeah. I love the facts that uh, Peter Gabriel knocked him off of (laughs) (laughs) number one. Yeah. I I absolutely (laughs) love that fact. So is such a great record and Sledgehammer was so iconic.
0: Mm -hmm. Genesis made like lighthearted videos and Peter Gabriel kind of pushed the the boundaries of what uh, videos were at that time. I think that he's more cerebral. Yeah. Yeah. This was a band that pivoted, you know, they were Mm advocates slowly. It was Peter Gabriel, prog rock slowly. It kind of moved, I guess, to the right, you know, became more commercial. You know, I feel like, you know, kind of like how Lindsay and Stevie Nicks changed Fleetwood Mac, their sound. Phil Collins kind of moved Genesis into this, this very commercial way that paid off tremendously, but yes.
3: Yeah. You know, MTV, changed a lot for a lot of bands as a matter of fact yesterday i was listening to a spotify playlist that i created artists that changed their sound for the 80s so oh, you know they were uh, very similar to genesis very different in the 70s and then who they became in the 80s but uh, I, mean, I can share some of some of these that are in yeah. if you want and mtv really propelled them you know into a different uh, I guess, music universe because artists like Rod Stewart, right? Like the Maggie Mae or more of like the mandolin or the the acoustic or just the rock and hot legs era, you add some synthesizer into the MTV and then we've got infatuation and young Turks, yeah. which is is great. Yeah. Let's see. You, you mentioned ZZ Top, Legs, Holland Oates. Obviously, did that extremely well. You know, they were a very different band in the '70s and then MTV era. Holland Oates is amazing stuff. Did it in a minute and out of touch. Billy Joel with Pressure. Frida from Abba. I know there's something going on. You know, yeah. there's yeah. different than some Abba. Steve Miller bands, Abracadabra. Yeah. Very different sure. <laughs> the yeah. 80s
4: sound
3: versus the the '70s. And then obviously yes, with owner of a lonely heart, very mm-hmm. different in the 80s than they were in the 70s.
0: Trevor Horn,
3: <laughs> Trevor yeah. Horn, exactly. Yeah. Asia, the Tubes, Jefferson Starship.
0: Yep. Because yeah. it took me a while, like probably in the later 80s when I became older, like I discovered, oh my God, Rod Stewart was a completely different singer, <laughs> and, and yeah. wow, how cool it is? I mean, it was like a new discovery for me when I suddenly heard this stuff, like like. Um, I wasn't a Bob Dylan fan in the eighties. Cause I, you know, I didn't, I couldn't connect to any of that or, or, uh, or Neil Young, they were trying to do their eighties thing and I just didn't connect with me. It wasn't yeah. until later and, you know, you start getting gray hair and it's all that stuff like, and you start yeah. going back like, Oh my God, these got these artists are, are amazing. You just have to, yeah. you know, just look a little bit further back and you'll find it. And now they're, they're still making great stuff too. So. Totally, and, yeah. So, all right, well, thank you very much. This has been great. I, I'm glad we finally hooked you in. This has been
3: really fun. It's fun to get to know both of you, and yeah. I admire what you're doing. You're doing something that is a little secret dream of mine. So <laughs> I've been a guest on, like, five different podcasts in the last, last year or so. So it's like maybe that's the universe saying, dude, do this. <laughs> for yourself, too. I don't know.
0: Make a demo. All right, so... Plug your stuff what you can we hire you how do we get you
3: yeah i traveled more last year than i ever have people flew me out to five different cities to do their like their 50th and their 60th birthday parties transmission-music.com the bulk of our business is is local weddings and all that jazz so i i do the the gigs where you know hey we're having a 50th birthday party we love the 80s would you do it? damn right i will yeah. i will rock your party for you
2: All right, right. Dave, my 60th birthday. All right. That's what I want. Jake, will rock Scratch Richard Blade. We'll take... We'll we'll hire Jake.
3: (laughs) Richard and I, I I consider Richard a a friend. We follow each other on social media. I did a gig with him at 80s in the Sand last year. One of his best friends, Stephen Wayne, is who I work closely with at 80s in the Sand. And people call me like the Richard Blade of the Twin Cities. Like Richard Blade does exactly what I do, but obviously he's got this unbelievable background his autobiography is is was probably the quickest read that i've ever done i mean he's lived a life where i'm just like my my jaw kept getting lower and lower as i <laughs> went through that book like talk about an inspiration i've got nothing but great things to say about mr blade
0: well, anyway, dave holly was awesome to chat appreciate it thank you so much for your time and uh, yeah, yeah it was great you. really great thank
2: uh, you jake it was so right. nice to meet you finally nice to meet you both all right take thanks. care thanks all right Bye. yep bye-bye Bye.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Jake Rude was with us. How about that, Holly? That was that was dynamite. Was it clear out of sight? It was all right. All right. Well, <laughs> mothers do talk, and that's what they say. Very good. Is there changing the weather? Can we work it out?
4: Well, look at you.
0: <laughs> See, you do remember some lyrics. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> I just knew Jake from his Twitter account and his his very active Twitter account, which we highly recommend you follow. Uh, and learn more about it. he always uh, posts fun facts as as we do.
2: as you might have gathered, Jake is a pretty busy guy, but his social media we get lots of great information from him on on social media. I think he's a pretty damn good DJ too.
0: yeah, and a good speaker because uh, he was able to communicate the songs that he liked and he hated <laughs> back in the day actually it's it's fun. We've talked people of varying ages and Jake is uh, he's still Gen X, but is uh, you know we're on the we're in the upper spectrum he's uh, down near the the bottom of the we're, we're clearly yep. superior gen x generation he's you know slightly lower but still a good gen x or acceptable we we accept him as a as one of our own <laughs> uh, uh yeah well thank you very much to jake rude he was wonderful and a, a spectacular guest and gave us some wonderful insights into the music that was played on kroq back in 1986 uh, as we do we come back every week with new music to look at new old music so please subscribe to our website and wherever your preferred podcast platform is press that subscribe button and how else can they keep track of us holly
2: and if you just can't wait until friday to hear from us you can check us out on social media at wddim podcast and on youtube where you will find many many outtakes from interviews and some of the concerts we've seen at what difference does it Make podcast.
0: Sounds wonderful. I love to hear these things. Anything else? We're all good. We've got flips. I think, we're, I think yeah, we're good. Okay, you know, 1980 to 71. Uh, subscribe. <laughs> press that button. Uh, leave us a review. Hey, what do you think of us? Look at us <laughs> now.
2: Tell us what you think about our transmission.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, until next week, then. This is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out.